0: Hi, this is Fabi Pavelo
1: Perez. And this is Babelito Flores, And we are Latinas, Latinas who Brunch.
0: brunch. <laughs> the podcast where we talk about important things like. No
1: controles mi forma de pensar porque es total y a todos les encanta.
0: Hello, hello, hello! Que show, que, show, que show. How are you doing, Babelito?
1: Babelito, Valletti Flores. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I got up so early. Uh, I, Monday morning. You know, con los con las gallinas. Mm. So so early. Um, to get here to you. Ah. You're in D.C. Yes, we're both together in D.C., which some of you don't realize realize we're not in the same city. We don't.
0: We're long distance friends.
1: That's right. So I'm in New York, Betis is in D.C., and we usually do this over the phone with uh,
0: a jiggered up technological situation. and a lot of great editing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) To make it seem like we're in the same room. Exactly. But we decided to do this particular episode um, and that intro that maybe some of you don't recognize. but hopefully (laughs) most of you do because our friends at Latinos Who Lunch have done two episodes where they kind of like parodied parodied our format. And so we decided to return the favor. That's
1: right. So because of a couple of Radio Loncheas, we think that it's about time for a Latinas
0: Who Brunch. Exactly. Exactly. And we thought it'd be fun to do an episode also where we just talk
1: yeah we're not actually
0: gonna bring music yo so y'all
1: actually i don't know how much you know i mean we talk a lot on the podcast yeah but there's a lot of stuff that we just don't don't bring because it's it's not related to the music yeah Yeah. exactly so this is
0: gonna be a chance for us to kind of just shoot the shit and catch up the way that babelito and fabi fab do
1: that's right Mm -hmm. that's right do you want to talk about what we ate for brunch (laughs) yes
0: i mean it wouldn't be a latinos who brunch if we didn't eat (laughs)
1: And of course,
0: inspired by our amigos, we ate
1: tacos. Mm, have you ever seen that meme where somebody there's like a picture of somebody whispering into an ear, <laughs> there's so and uh, like there's that. like a uh, like ASMR. pelitos que se paran. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's like tacos, and they like, me todos los pelitos."
0: Part of the ASMR thing
1: is it? The,
0: you know what I'm talking about. I know
1: what ASMR is, but only because I watched that video of Cardi B explaining what oh, it was. That's helpful.
0: <laughs> ASMR is this weird internet thing where people certain sounds make people get kind of tingly. Yeah, and so that talk and they like is talk really that. sort of. They um, talk slowly. Sometimes they're also doing things like playing with slime is sort of an ASMR thing. Oh, interesting! But I also, watch a lot of slime videos I do on Instagram too. sometimes. I do too. It's oh my fun. God.
1: We've never talked about this. Oh, yeah. I made a slime once, and oh. I told my sister, and she's like, are you 12? I was like, I guess. <laughs> At heart, At heart. <laughs>
0: I watch, yeah, there's, like, a 16-year-old who's, like, very popular. Yes, there's a slime. Latina
1: who's, like, she, she, a slime Alyssa? entrepreneur. No, say, I don't remember her name. Oh I don't we're keep track. The same
0: one. She's definitely, like, a woman of color, but I don't know her background. Oh, my God. I keep thinking about, like, can I write about... Can I somehow write about these slime like entrepreneurs for color lines? So like, just because they're women of color doesn't mean slime is about race. So oh anyway, but go back to our brunch. Yeah, so we had we had tacos at this amazing spot that's just a few blocks from me. Um, they, so yummy. They did not pay for the. They're they're not sponsoring this episode, but we'll shout them out anyway. They're called Fox Loves Taco. They were so yummy. The only breakfast taco spot in D.C. Like breakfast tacos are not a thing on the East Coast, really. No, no. No, it's like a Southwest thing. It's like a Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're really fucking good, though. Yes. So we went and had some tacos.
1: That's right. I had amigas taco mm-hmm. and I had a jerk tofu taco. Li- Do you like that? I did. Okay. I liked it. I um because my boo is allergic to soy, she's allergic to so many things. Yeah. Uh but soy is one of them. And I really I'm a meat eater, I'm an omnivore, but I really enjoy tofu. So whenever I get the chance to like right. eat tofu just on my own, right. I usually take it. Yeah. That
0: makes sense. Yeah. Um, well I had migas tacos. I kind of always have the migas tacos because mm, they're so good. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things there is they they have flour tortillas, and I know flour tortillas are kind of controversial. (laughs) Like most like mexicanos, like why would you eat flour? But these are homemade. And they are delicious. Yeah, I can attest to that
1: because usually I'm a corn tortilla Snot. girl yeah. all the way forever. Yeah. I, like, will heat up the corn tortilla on the mm-hmm. directly on the mm-hmm. stove, usually, like, burn a few in the process, no importa, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit distracted. Set off the smoke alarm, it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And,
0: um, but I decided to go with a homemade flour, and it was really delicious. All right. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good, and they make them in-house. Yeah. Um, so this I like I like the spot a lot. The other thing I was thinking about, so I have a thing when I go to s- restaurants where they make you say your name. Mm-hmm. It's been like a source of a lot of anxiety for me because yes, I can imagine. Yeah, so I I actually go by Bettis in real life. It's not just like a podcast nickname. It's like actually what I use. I use my full name when like full names are appropriate. But like instead of calling me Medium or Miriam, I, people call me Bettis. So when I go, so I have a lot of name anxiety um, because it's an issue. People don't know what I'm saying when I introduce myself and Mm -hmm.
1: blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. They're like, what? Years of therapy. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Um,
0: So anyway, you go to Starbucks and wherever and they're like, what's your name? And I used to like struggle. Like, what do I say? Should I say my first name? Should I say my last name? How should I pronounce it? And be like this whole anxiety thing. And then I remembered that my father, growing up, when we would go to restaurants like this, he would just make up a name. Yeah. He would just fucking make up a name. I because, have friends
1: who just make yeah, up names. I well, have a friend who's, who's Stacy for a while.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, because my father's name is Gustavo. Yeah. And, like, Gustavo is not a common name in the United States, and definitely not in North Carolina in the 80s and 90s. Right. So, we would go to, like, Panera, and he would be, like, Bob or Bill yeah. or whatever. So, I remembered him, and I was like, I'm just going to start yeah, making make up make a name. make up a new one. So, my, like, coffee shop name is Mary.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I, like, I
0: would rather it just be a name I have no relationship to yeah, than it create any anxiety. Fucking up your name exactly. or
1: like exactly. using a name that you don't use or yeah, something weird. Yeah, exactly.
0: So anyway, that's been a big relief. But for some reason, the, the one of the first times I went to this spot, I think partially because like the 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 person working there is Latina and whatever, I was inspired to actually say Perez. Yeah. And she remembers my name now. Like when we walked in there. She was yeah, like Yeah. Hey, she's like Perez, right? right? And it's so, so nice. nice. <laughs> so I feel very seen. That's um, great. And it's nice to have one place where I don't have to use my fake name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... I'm not seeing Mary. No, no. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But it has been a good relief. So I hopefully people who have... Also have names that are like unintelligible to like Americans or whatever. Yeah. Just make up a name. It's okay. It yeah. It doesn't matter what they call you at Starbucks. But, but yeah. that, you usually say Veronica?
1: Yeah, I usually just say Veronica. Yeah. And then sometimes I get like Monica or sometimes, right. like, you know. But right. it's not... My name isn't very common amongst like white folks that are my age mm. but it's a common enough name that people like have heard it like it's like old white ladies are called Veronica <laughs> or like middle aged Caribbean oh, yeah, ladies like Veronica. West Indian yeah. ladies are called Veronica and a lot of Latinas, Latinas right? um, yeah. are called Veronica so I think Got it's it. common enough that that people know what it is and I don't struggle it. with that but there's also like a gender component mm-hmm. to what you're you're yeah. talking about.
0: and it's But mostly the issue is just I introduce myself as Perez, and people are like, what? Like, nobody right. understands it. Um, they don't expect it to be a last name. They don't expect it coming from me because I'm so light-skinned. Like, people don't read me as Latino or Latina. Um, and the pronunciation, like, people say Perez in the United States, a lot of right. people, and that's – I did that for a long time, and then I got tired of mispronouncing my own name because there's an accent on the first E. Mm-hmm. So Perez is actually just wrong. It would be Paris in English, yeah, which is which people don't say. Some Mm-mm. people do. So anyway, so yeah, there's and then I'm like, oh, when they don't get it right or when I have to say it back and forth, it just creates a lot of anxiety for me. So mm-hmm. um, in situations that don't ma- literally don't matter, like at a fucking Starbucks, yeah, why go through that? So um well, one of the things we were thinking about with our little parody episode was should we be Latinas who brunch or like. Latinx who brunch? Yeah. And I thought Latinos who brunch sounded better. So I was like, let's just be Latinos who brunch, but we can talk about gender.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because when we, uh, so when we, uh, in our intro, we say we're two Latinx friends Mm -hmm. and that's purposeful, right? It's because we uh, have different ways that we identify in terms of our genders and stuff. Right. And I'm always thinking, like, I'm always seeing, like, the way that people refer to us online or mm-hmm. um, on other shows or whatever. And I'm like, oh, is that okay? Is that right? <laughs> we get a like, lot of ladies. We get a lot of, like, ladies. It's like,
0: oh, no, we're not both ladies. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or not
1: exactly really. Yeah, it's
0: complicated. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. not identify. Lady would not be the word I would use to describe myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's complicated. And I and Veto has been sweet and been like, should we say something? Like I'm happy to correct people, and I'm like, I don't. It does not feel like the the, like, cross I want to die on. Like, it's not the thing that right. I care that much about. Like, my name is is enough of, like, a thing that I have to sort of fight about with people. Mm-hmm. Not, like, fight, but I have to, like, constantly correct people on that right. when it comes to gender stuff, like, it just doesn't feel important enough to me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for people who care, like, I do identify as gender queer, and so, um, like, I use they-them pronouns mostly and, like, don't, generally don't... I, like, kind of go between, like, Latinx and Latin... Latina, or sometimes I say Latino, you know, like, I kind of yeah, mess with yeah. that all the time. It's just a um, little bit yeah, flexy. Exactly. Flexible. And so, yeah, so I don't, I would not describe us as ladies. Like, I don't think that's accurate, right. but I also don't, um, I don't know. It's like, how much labor do you want to put in right. to constantly correct people? Yeah,
1: which is why I was like, I'm totally happy to <laughs> which correct folks, but also like, it's your call, right? Yeah. If it's like not the thing that like you f- feel is important to spend our time on, then that's yeah. fine, but Whenever, I definitely, when people are like, ladies, these ladies, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh! like, it gives me yeah. a little bit of heart palpitations, Aww. and poquito de taquicardia. Them. That's very <laughs> sweet of you. I
0: mean, I think in an ideal world where, like, it didn't feel like it was so much labor for me, maybe I would. Right. You know? But in this context, I just kind of pick my battles. Cause yeah. I mean, I only... sometimes you just have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... And also, you know, I, I walk through the world as, and I get read as female and, like, socialized as female. And so it's not... I don't... It's not, like, I identify as male. Right. And I'm, like, I really need that to be affirmed. like Right, it's, it's, right. Yeah, it's complicated. It's, it's more of a fluidity. Exactly. Yeah. So, and language is, like, so limited, you know? That's right. It's so limited. And I know people are well-intentioned. They're not, like, trying to be... Dicks. Right. They're, like, people who, like, like us. Yeah. So. Definitely. But I do think the Latinx has or Latinx has created some nice space to Mm -hmm. to create a gender neutral. And even though at the beginning, when we started this podcast almost two years ago, Uh, I was a little bit like, I don't know about the X. I had some weird response to it. Now I think I've really just embraced it. Yeah. Well, I think that maybe
1: um, even a few years ago, it seemed a little bit fringe, right? Right. Like maybe um, just in... Activist communities, or maybe in some United States activist communities, maybe in some um, small Latin American activist right. communities, and right. not. And it's like one thing that we've really that is important to think about with languages, and that I thought about, you know, maybe something like 10 years ago when we were both working together and yeah. working on LGBTQ Latinx stuff is at what where do you weigh being able to be understood right off the bat mm. on materials and, and also being inclusive, inclusive, right? Like how, how, like how does it limit you to for folks to see something on a piece of paper and be like, I don't know what this is. I can't read it. So I'm going to put it down and, or actually, you know, doing the keys, doing the at, doing right. the, all these other things. Um, and at that time, we'd talked to people both in Latin America. I did so much research on it, like talked to people like in or thought about movements in Latin America and thought about movements in the u s and uh in Spanish and in English and how to do it and it's not such a uh, it wasn't such a straightforward answer even a few years ago, much less you know when I started doing this work a decade ago or more so um so I think that. I'm, I'm happy that we decided to do that, but it was definitely like a thing to consider, right? Like, is are people going to know what that is? Are people right. going to be put off by it? I do think that maybe our search engine optimization has really suffered because we've yeah. made that choice because if yeah. you, you search Latino, or, which is like what, you know, the Spanish language decides is the general for everybody. We don't ever use that Mm -hmm. in our, in our podcasts. And I don't think that if somebody searches just Latino, that you'd find our podcast because um, I don't know, maybe now Apple podcasts, you can tag stuff, but before, but now it's before it's just like what was in your description and Latino is just not in our description. So I think that we've suffered for that a little bit um in terms of how people can find us so it's definitely it's definitely a hard choice to make yeah and yeah one thing
0: I think about a lot too is um I don't want to erase the identity of people who do identify as like female or male of course in service of inclusion and so and this is something w- there's been a lot of discussion about in like the doula world which is another like world that I'm Part of or have mm, been a part of mm. in terms of using gender-neutral language to describe like pregnant people, for example. Yeah, it's like it's important to be inclusive of gender non-conforming folks and trans folks, but also not erase the identity of people who identify as women. Yeah, and so even some of whom are trans, right? Like it's sure. not like all yeah. trans people prefer a gender-neutral designation. And so with Latinx or Latinxies, it's definitely about challenging the masculine as dominant in Spanish language. Correct. But I also still think it's important, like you identify as Latina, right? And like, I wouldn't want to all of a sudden say that you have to identify as Latinx. Oh, of course not.
1: Because that
0: erases your identity, right? Right.
1: I'm actually really annoyed when people who are um, cis and, you know, live their lives as, you know, like assigned at one gender and live their lives as that gender and whatever, call themselves Latinx, because that's just actually not. Accurate. it's like Mm. I'm Latina right Mm. like I'm not Latinx because that's Mm. I'm you know that's that's actually just disingenuous I'm just like trying to win some like woke off contest
0: I don't do you think people understand that like I wonder if they just don't even I think they don't understand that no I think they
1: don't understand that
0: like oh this is just the new term
1: yeah and this is the the new woke thing to say but it's actually words mean things yeah and the ickies is actually a response to something and it should be used in the response in which folks came up with it
0: right so uh, yeah it's, it's use it when you're describing a group of gender variant like a group of people with multiple with genders, multiple genders right, right. so or if it's like, like a know bunch know.
1: of women who all identify, identify. as women whether they're That's trans anyway. or cis if everybody's right. woman identified then it's weird to say, right. say Latinax. say latina right yeah exactly. Um, right. What's weird is for it to be a various gender group of people and to be like Latinos. That's right. annoying. That's the thing that we're right. trying to
0: respond to, which is a very specific thing to Spanish language. Right, like and you
1: know, language. and then also you, we have la- saying Latinx adds <laughs> for the possibility of multiple genders and a gender <clears throat> multiplicity and right. fluidity that right. Latinas and Latinos don't. Right. 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 Totally.
0: So another thing that we have been wanting to talk about on the show and thought this was a good moment since we're sort of responding to our like amigos at Latinos Who Lunch by kind of, you know, imitating them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's just to yeah, get how gender, we've seen gender play out in the podcast space. Definitely. Um, even in like the, maybe especially in the queer podcast space, there's actually a lot of sexism and and it's been helpful to talk to Fabi and Babalito about mm-hmm. their experiences and mm-hmm. to have them affirm, like, yeah, that never happens to us. Yeah. And we have, like, yeah. very similar shows, been around a very similar amount of time. Like, I think our listenership is probably very in the similar realm. Right. So one thing that's happened to us recently a few times is that we've gotten sort of well-meaning emails or Facebook messages from yes. listeners who say they love our show but then want to critique the way we speak. Right. Particularly, we got an email about saying like too much.
1: We've gotten several of those. Yeah,
0: And we also got another one about the fact that we say the words awesome and amazing a lot. Yeah. And I literally was talking to to Favi about this recently and he was like, we've never gotten an email. He's like, we get a lot of criticism about what we say, like the content of what we say, but we've never once gotten an email about how we speak. And they say, like, all of the of time. Of course they do. And, like, bitch every five seconds, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have this like, gay boy thing, you know?
1: Well, and this is, and the thing is that I, this is not new or particular to us, right? No, this no. is everybody who is a woman, either mm-hmm. in radio or in a recording realm or, you know, recording right. voice realm, has spoken about this, has spoken about how they get so many letters about how, oh, your voice is just annoying. Or talking right. about vocal fry, which right. is something that um, it's so a, a way for folks to speak that um, is gendered as female, and sometimes it's just it's neutral. It's just a sound. It's a way for your voice to sound, but right. people have decided that that's inadequate right. because it's a, not coincidentally uh, because of the way right. that it's perceived and gendered. I understand that. You know, we all might have ways that we interact with the world and hear speech and think about uh, things that are annoying. And that's fine, right? To have an opinion about what you think is annoying or what you think sounds a way. It does, but I also think it's important to question how our societal expectations and conditioning of what is annoying and what is smart right. are gendered right. and how internalized misogyny is part of that, right. you
0: right.
1: know, because it's not only men that have told us this.
0: Oh, no, no. I don't think any of the listeners who emailed us, I mean, I'm making assumptions based on names, but I don't actually think any of them have been men, yeah, no but, say. but it was just, I was shocked to hear from Latinos Lunch, who's who has like a pretty big listener base and gets a lot of listener feedback that they'd never gotten comment about, for example, how much they say like, you know, and, uh, and for me, I think Veto is better about kind of being like, whatever, like I don't care about criticism like that kind of criticism, but I, you know, it's, it, I hear it and it's, and it affects me and it makes me self-conscious about how I speak, you know? And that's a good place to be when you're putting yourself out there and putting your voice out there. Um, and I just, you know, I understand that people have opinions and you're, you're, Like, welcome to your opinion, but um, it's a tough thing to receive. I mean, again, like... Well, it's not super helpful, right? What
1: is helpful is getting critiques about what we said and how you think that aligns with what you think or something that we're missing or whatever. Yeah, like you said, but in terms of talking about how we deliver ideas, the way we speak. I don't know. I'm just pretty uninterested in that. Mm -hmm. I think that people have the right to feel that the way that I or you or anybody speaks is annoying, but... I'm not, that's not going to change for me. Right. I speak I mean, the way that really I speak. It's really
0: difficult to change the way you speak.
1: And like, it's, uh, it's, um, an easy thing to do. Uh, most, most of the things that you have said, I've probably thought about before, you know, we edit this podcast, we, <laughs> we listen to ourselves, hours. we spend <laughs> way more <laughs> hours listening to ourselves than anybody else does in the world. <laughs> yeah. So anything that you've said, we've probably already thought about. We've definitely, I've definitely thought about how much I say, like, mm. I've definitely thought about other, uh, speaking patterns that I have mm-hmm. that because i listen to myself over and over again I find myself annoyed at them as well but it's just not super helpful I think to uh to send that critique and just you know you can listen to a different podcast if it's so annoying
0: I know right and it's I also sometimes feel like I want you to talk about a topic for literally like 40 hours and try not to repeat yourself (laughs) Like I'm sorry but literally we talk about music at this point we're on like episode 48 plus a bunch of many of those we literally have hours of recordings of us talking about a topic it's natural to repeat words yeah I also know I want to say like we get a lot we get way more supportive loving yes. sweet reviews and comments absolutely back and, and email so it's also my it's it's something that a lot of people do which is like you hear the criticism more than you hear the compliments so I also want to say to most of like the majority of our listeners and people who contact us have been really sweet so that's true but I was just I was so wowed by the the clear difference between our show and and Latinos who lunch and gender is really the only distinction yeah yeah so it's like you have to realize that those things still matter absolutely in this day and age even in like within the Latinx community
1: yeah totally it's something that we I don't know we've we are a product of the societies that raise us and the societies that we're in are super problematic, right? Yeah. Where uh, the world is racist, the world is, has right. a lot of colorism, the world right. is misogynist, and we are raised... It's the water that we swim in, yeah. right? So even though it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work and a lot of us have done such hard work to try to undo some of those things, it's a lifetime process, totally. right? So... Um, Yeah.
0: This is hard. I'm so used to, like... Part of why I like our show is that we focus on the music and not ourselves. I know. And, like, we purposely didn't come up with a show that was just about the two of us talking about whatever or ourselves because that, I think, for us, is not that interesting. That's right. (laughs) But we realized... Kind of just looking at the podcast landscape and also interacting with you all that you actually do want to hear about us and our lives. And so we're not going to change our format. This is just a one time thing. But I'm just acknowledging that part of why I like our show is that we it's not just about ourselves or our opinions. (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
1: And and the other piece is that I feel like I like to be a little bit mysterious. (laughs) You know, with my social media presence. I mean, think about Beyonce.
0: Yeah. Think
1: about Beyonce. What does Beyonce do on social media? Beyonce hasn't even taken an interview in years. She had a whole spread on Vogue without her saying a word. It was other people talking about her. She goes on social media. She takes a selfie and she says nothing. (laughs) You know, she's She's just, (laughs) she's just living her life and sharing what she needs to share with the people that she needs to share it with. And that's, you know, I understand that people have different boundaries and different folks that they want to share things with, and different sort of um, boundaries for what your community is, and including uh, online stuff a lot in that too. And I've been in that place in the past too, but recently I've just felt like. Social media has taken up so much of my time and it's not just posting, but then if you put something out there, then you have to respond to other people's responses to it, which is okay. But I am, I started getting really tired of that expectation of my labor, of my emotional and, you know, intelligence and like all of this labor going into the world. And for what, you know? Um, so I feel like I've uh, in the last few years have just really pulled back from what I share and I've never been super out there on social media in terms of I used to post a lot but mostly about politics never really Mm. about me like people there's might be people on my social media that don't know I've been dating somebody for 10 years so I don't post a ton about my private life right but um but even that I've pulled back a lot, on, a lot on because I think that I just can't with the expectation of my intellectual labor, just being poured into everybody. Well, what do you think of this? Well, what do you think of this? Sometimes like people would, before when I would be posting things all the time, people would tag me into discussions and be like, Veronica, what do you think? Oh, and it's God. just like, I'm not out here to be, uh, you know, pontificating on things for no reason. You know, when I have something to say, I'll say it. Right. Um, but I I don't know. So I feel like when I realized sort of like the way that Beyonce does her social <laughs> media presence, I'm like
0: goals, this is it. I need to follow her. I surprisingly don't.
1: Oh yeah, you do. She has some really great Grammy outfits.
0: It was confusing yesterday because there was so I follow La Juan James's mother. On Instagram. <laughs> Le Mom. Le Mom James. I mean I'm just like I'm just I'm following the whole family now. It's fine. Um and she kept tagging Latin Grammys and I was like I didn't we just see the Latin Grammys like a few months ago? Did we miss it? I'm so confused. But no, she was just tagging all of like the Latin acts, I guess from that the, were at the Grammys. It was way confusing. Was there? so he didn't go to the Latin Grammys, no, but he went to the
1: Grammys. No, which was is that you some know, like the ultimate assimilationist flex. bullshit? I don't know what it is. I mean, Daddy Yankees are Republican, so we are not going to take <laughs> our you're cues Republican, from you're so him.
0: Just like he. The story there is that Obama said no to him. And so then yes. he went to McCain. That's the underground so that's political worse. tea that I that's heard. That Daddy Yankee being...
1: approached Obama and was like, I want to endorse your campaign. And, and then Obama was like, no, Obama thank, was like you. thank you, no thank you. And, so that's <laughs> and like, you're not then a Republican, he's you're just like, fuck for... you, I'm going to endorse John McCain. You're
0: just chilling for whatever you I are. don't
1: know how much truth there is to that, but oh, either way, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, But yeah, no, I don't follow Beyonce, but I hear you. I also, I think I share more than you do, but I'm, there's definitely a spectrum of sharing, particularly like very vulnerable feelingsy things, you Mm, know? And mm so I think I tend toward being more, um, more closed off. Although on Instagram, because I'm not public, I'm a little bit more yeah but whereas on Facebook it's very professional
1: I used to be like that and then I just it's I had a really hard time keeping the boundary of who is personal and who is professional on any yeah. of my social media and there's all these people that wanted to follow me and I kind of felt bad not letting them follow me and I reject and, a lot of people sorry yeah <laughs> I mean that's cool and I used to do that but it felt harder to me to keep a space closed than to just not say anything right. I feel like that's an easier <laughs> boundary for me to just be like you know what open. like yeah. everything's open and I'm only gonna give you what I give you
0: yeah yeah I feel you I mean my role is just if I don't know you in real life I won't accept you yeah that's, yeah that's the but there are
1: some people that I knew in real life right. that I didn't want to accept either and that's where it gets awkward
0: yeah I feel you
1: So then I just opened everything up. I was like, everything's a lie. Everything's open. Everything is being spied on. So I'm just going to, you know, post selfies with song lyrics and that's it.
0: Yeah. And your food.
1: (laughs) But anyway, I'm going with Beyonce. Beyonce tips for (laughs) social media she does not really post food it's only it's not even selfies actually beyonce doesn't even post any selfies she just has a photographer and somebody else i assume that she has her her own no she doesn't do her own social media i assume she has her own private one that nobody else can see yeah or maybe like maybe there's like a secret uh celebrity app celebrity app yeah not
0: celebrity but um what's the What's the, like, secret society that they're all supposedly part of?
1: Oh, yeah, the Scientologist ones?
0: No, 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 not the Scientologist. Illuminati? Illuminati. Do uh, they have, like, a s- secret Illuminati Instagram? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't, I can't follow all those conspiracy theories, so I, I don't know. even know how to it's comment on them.
0: It's too many. <laughs> well, one thing we were talking about, wanting to share about on this episode, is that we don't know how much folks know about, like, the other work we do outside of Radio Mania, Yeah. we don't talk about it that much. Yeah, it's true. So, better. do you want to tell people a little bit about your day job?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, what is my day job? So, I think it helps going into a little bit of history of what we have done. So, in terms of my background, like I studied public health and I really came into activism. Like, the first activist thing that I ever did was related to HIV. And I would like go to a volunteer group to pack clean needles and clean works for people who were injecting drugs so that they could inject more safely, right? It's harm reduction. So the connection between uh, health and, and activism and social justice was really what, um, what sort of got me into this world. And right after when I graduated from public health school, um, actually, I got an internship at Latina Institute mm-hmm. um, when I was still in school, and you were working, working there already. We living there. in New York and working there. Our
0: desks were next to each other.
1: Our desks were right <laughs> next to each other, and we like you know were uh, you know like just like typing away baby queers baby queers in the office making it happen mm-hmm. in New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. And that so um, was two
0: thousand
1: six, six or seven, seven, yeah. seven. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then I got a job there, so I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing. I started doing policy work, and then for the last few years, I've just been uh, involved in several different movements, both through reproductive justice and outside of it. So I've had the real, uh, real uh, honor of working with some really amazing people and some real. Incredible mentors who honestly just took a risk on me, just allowed me to grow into that. So now um, I uh, own a intersectional policy consulting firm that I run with my colleague and good friend Isha Pandit, who is a listener of this podcast.
0: Friend of the podcast. Hi, Isha. Hi.
1: Um but so, and we met together doing um, healthcare reform advocacy. So we've um, we've sort of built this this firm called um, the Center for Advancing Innovative Policy that uh, works with both organizations and with coalitions and with some funders to think about policy in a really intersectional way and sort of change the game of the way that it's thought about. Right, like not think about experts as the people who are in DC in the beltway, you know, interacting every day with legislators, but experts are actually the people that are organizing their communities and know what kinds of changes would impact the material conditions of their lives. You know, just trying to like slowly rejigger the whole system.
0: We'll put a little link in the show notes to that. Yes. Your website in case folks want to check it out in case we have some policy people listening. But mm-hmm. Isha and I like to joke about how we share a work wife. <laughs> That's right. I'm work poly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I feel like Isha and I share some qualities in terms of personality and like inclinations toward work. So um, so I can see the patterns in the people you choose to collaborate with. <laughs> Feelings people, for example. Yes. Um well, awesome. It's interesting. I've never thought about the one of the connections between our work worlds is like health as a root because I was yeah. also really interested in health um, since I was like a kid even and like wanted to be, it was pre-med and want to be a doctor and like definitely thought about public health at some mm-hmm. point, but never went, never went in that route. Um, but yeah, my work has been, I think the, the like skill set thread has been writing like that's been a core yeah. piece of what I've done and I know it's been part of what you've done too yeah, yeah. but I think I've focused on it more um both as a blogger like I started this blog Radical Doula in 2007 so it's been freaking 11 years Whew, since wow. I started that blog and these days it's more of like a resource yeah um, place than like an active blogging um arena just because my writing has changed and blogging has changed a lot but I started that blog when I was working at Latina Institute yeah And I had trained as a doula in college, and doulas are people trained to provide support to folks during pregnancy and childbirth. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not a medical provider. You're just kind of an emotional support person. So I trained as a doula um, in college, partially when I got interested in, basically, like, I learned about what was wrong with how we handle maternal health, and Mm -hmm. particularly childbirth in the United States, yeah, and just how problematic our over-medicalized hospital perspective is yes and so i got really fired up about this in college and was like tell my roommate all my friends like they should have home births <laughs> total weirdo and they're like what are you talking about we're not even we're trying not to get pregnant like, yeah <laughs> anyway. um so that was something that i an interest that i had so i started radical doula when i realized that there were a lot of people who in the like sort of birth activist world like midwives and doulas and folks trying to change that culture who were anti-choice like not Ooh, supportive of abortion yeah tacky and I just assumed that everybody was pro-choice like me, and that the silence was just because we all agreed. And then I learned, um, Oof, Lynn yeah. Paltrow uh, of the National Advocates for Pregnant Women was like, you know, that that's not the case. And I was like, oh. Anyway, so part of why I started Radical Doula was just to talk about my pol- particular political perspective yeah. Um, yeah, as a pro-choice doula, but also as a queer person, as a Latina, um, as a gender queer person, as a child of immigrants, mm-hmm. and also someone who's doing doula work from an activist perspective and not necessarily as a business. Right. Um, right. Not that there's anything wrong with doing it professionally. It just wasn't my approach. So anyway, God, it feels like it was a million years ago, but I started that blog to just trying to share my perspective and connect with other people who mm-hmm. felt similarly, mm-hmm. um, And that has had a whole life of its own. And I wrote a book called The Radical Doula Guide that's a political primer for people interested in, in doula work that I still sell like five or six copies of every week. Cool. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and the doula world has really grown and there's a lot and a lot more people who bring a political perspective yeah. to it now. That's so cool. It's changed a lot. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. So that... Kind of turned into a lot of writing opportunities and then focusing more, less on writing about my perspective and more like journalistic stuff. So yeah. I did write at, at Feministing for a, a long time, for like five years. And that was also more, it was like political voice, but also getting more into reporting about other yeah. things people are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that turned into more freelance opportunities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the last like four years, I've been writing for Color Lines. I talk about that sometimes here. I'm the gender and sexuality columnist there. Yeah, so I write yep. about anything related to race and gender. So that's about half my work mm-hmm. is writing for color lines. Um, and I really appreciate getting the opportunity to both talk about what's going on politically, but also talk about, you know artists and creatives and people yeah. like doing cool shit. you know, I try to write about more than just politics because it can get a little overwhelming yeah we're just like depressing you know yeah
1: I know well and I didn't even talk about my writing stuff right Mm -hmm. because I I used to do a lot more political writing pretty much exclusively political writing and a while back I was like I want to talk about music and art because it's interesting as a policy person people see policy and cultural change really uh as really separate but it's my strong belief that it's hard to have any kind of policy change without some amount of cultural change. And it's hard for any uh, cultural change to last very long without some amount of policy change. So I see them as working together, very, very enmeshed. Um, And so I've always been interested in the ways that culture is moving and and both shaping our political discourse and also the ability to shape political discourse through culture in particular. So, uh, because of that, I, um, I started writing more and more about music, uh, a few years before we started this podcast and, um, have been doing some, mostly, mostly these days, my writing is music journalism because I feel it can be hard. Like after you know, 12 years of writing your, pol- your political opinions on the internet, These just like, there's so, there's like, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again and yeah. I'm tired. I don't really do. There's new, writing. there's new people yeah. out there that have the energy for it and I appreciate them.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't, my writing is, I, I try to hold my opinion for really important moments where I feel yeah. like I have to say something. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and then the other part of my work these days, which I've talked about a little bit here, is is focused on healing and particularly bringing like healing justice and wellness to activist spaces. So, you know, trying to address the fact that, A, people are really burned out by the political environment in which we live and the conditions people face, and that when we bring our shit, our personal shit, to activist spaces, it really makes things challenging. Yeah. So trying to kind of create environments and tools for people to take care of their their individual work. Um, and be well and also be in environments that don't create harm totally so that's all through the oxalis collective which is a relatively new crew of with two other healers of color and we do we have a podcast called tonic it's a healing advice podcast but we also do programming and events with activist groups around healing justice and Mm -hmm. wellness so It's a lot of hustles. Um, I know.
1: Yeah. This is the thing. People are like, oh, are you trying? The other day somebody asked me if um, audio or podcast stuff is what I'm trying to move Mm. into. And it was such an interesting question because I think that um, I feel like capitalism makes us, uh, there's this imperative to be an expert at one thing or to be really good at one thing. And for me, that's just never been the way that I operated. I have so many interests, yeah. but I'm just actually just trying to be a multifaceted person and have that be okay in the world. There's a lot to me, just as there's a lot to every person, and I'm sort of uh, declining the uh, the uh, idea of, of just being one thing or, you know, So so it's really... I feel like sometimes the side hustle life gets hectic and it's hard to plan for, but it's also super liberating in the sense that i my whole identity isn't consumed by one aspect of my life that could change really quickly. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, my whole career I've been, had so many different hustles and I didn't even mention some of the ones that I have, you know? Yeah. So I totally understand yeah. that. I mean, I do think podcasting feels like blogging did like 11 years ago and that, or maybe it did feel that way two years ago when we started where it was like kind of, you know, lots of room for trying things out and experimenting and lots Mm -hmm. of niches to fill. And, um, I mean, now I have two podcasts. I really do like the format and the way that it allows you to tell stories and connect with people. But, um, but I don't, I don't, it's hard to imagine having a full-time job because I've only done that a couple of times. And Mm -hmm. I generally am not that happy because I like to own my time and I like yeah. to have room to, yeah, start new creative projects and just the spaciousness to be, um, yeah, to be innovative and creative. And Yeah, it's really
1: a huge privilege. I've really enjoyed these last few years that I've been able to live my life that way. Yeah. I feel so fortunate.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I've been doing it basically since like 2008 Yeah, with very few exceptions and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, it does get, the pace can get hard. The money can get hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and also explaining what you do. I'm like, I have like... I know. There's like, what do you do? It's like, that's not an easy question. It's like, yeah, how much time do you have?
1: Because It's just, like, where are you from? We just spent
0: 20. Yeah. <laughs> we just spent 20 minutes talking about it. So yeah. Clearly how much hard. time do you have for yeah. this answer? Like, are you really trying to know? Mm-hmm. Or... <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, should we take a break? Because Latinos Lunch always does. <laughs> Sounds like it's time to take a break. ba <laughs> <laughs> we love Lito's little break noise and we've thought about stealing it and then they told me we'll just send it to you <laughs> yeah they're just gonna send us a <laughs> so recording of it so we could maybe it. use it but um, we don't actually have any ads
1: <laughs> no we have like experimented with all these really awkward advertising noises. noises and none of them has have no. been as so good as
0: yeah babelito you've got something going there boo yeah
1: so we're we're just gonna go ahead and yeah. take that wave file <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: thank you very much <laughs> <So Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-da. laughs> and we're back <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we should talk about rupaul's drag race even though i don't think you watch it oh, just because we're trying I, to be i know
1: i don't like watch our it friends. I I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I should watch it, but I just, I'm not that enticed by reality television and I don't want to just be, um, just watch it because of FOMO. I feel like I'm watch I'm trying to watch less TV in my life.
0: No, don't watch it if you aren't interested in it. Like, it's not. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's not that I'm not interested in the subject matter necessarily. I'm just not interested in watching more TV than I already do and expanding my repertoire of TV items. I'm trying to watch less TV. You know?
0: Yeah, I watch a good amount of TV, but that's also because I'm single. Yeah, (laughs) I I have more free time. Um, uh, And I like to watch TV, like, passively in the background which is not something you do like Mm -hmm. when I'm cooking or whatever like doing certain like errands or chores I like to watch TV I have not watched RuPaul's Drag Race recently I went through a phase like last winter where I watched a lot of old episodes Mm -hmm. I will say the thing I like about it is the um, these folks have really incredible artistry when it comes to makeup yes and their costumes and just production value in yeah. general right yeah. like so it's entire admire.
1: productions right I they're thinking admire. about makeup they're thinking about costume they're thinking about music they're well, thinking they about timing have to do all on
0: their well, for the show they like in professionally a lot of famous drag queens have people helping them with that stuff right but on the show they have to do it all themselves yeah they can't have makeup artists or wig stylers or costumers or whatever yeah so. But we don't have to talk about it because you don't actually listen.
1: Um, there is a drag queen. A really, of course, this is going to be perfect for me. There's this really weird drag queen that I follow. <laughs> that of course, but did a it, follows that a weird did that did Bjork's makeup and like is styled it kimchi? her. No, it's not Kimchi.
0: Kimchi does amazing makeup. Yes, I mean
1: I I love makeup also, and I know that Kimchi has a color for sugar pill i think a lip color i don't know that is that is really beautiful
0: amazing she got a lot of shit on the show for not being a comedy queen like she's not really an actress but her makeup on instagram it's is she hungry what's her drag name
1: hungry hungry and she has this like incredibly allowed no i don't think she's ever i don't think she would be she's Wouldn't too weird it, yeah. for regular television she had look at look at well we're going to post pictures of this but she does these like incredibly elaborate weird looks where she doesn't even really look fully human right she just does these it's very futuristic very looking. yeah just futuristic alien Sort of wow. just the artistry I feel is, and that's not graphically completely unparalleled. Modified? No, this is just her makeup.
0: But then she has no tor- she has no legs in that one. Oh
1: yeah, I mean this is obviously, but but uh, I mean the the tur- their live looks right. It's yeah. her makeup and she has those? prosthetic. I don't know. How do I find anything?
0: She has prosthetic body parts
1: no no just like she adds pearls to her face she adds stuff to her face to make herself just look more monstrous you know and i just i fucking love it is she hungry on instagram
0: i have to give a shout out to um a drag queen that i went to college with her name is little miss hot mess oh that's a good name (laughs) um her i don't know I don't know if she uses her like legal name on the world so I won't use it but anyway her drag name is Little Miss Hot Mess and she does a lot of political stuff. She's been pretty involved in the um drag queen um, story hour mm-hmm. that's happening in different places where like oh, yeah, yeah. drag queens get hired to go read kids books. Yeah. She's in Brooklyn right now but I like I thought of her because she has always done drag in a like political way and like yeah. in, and sometimes in like a not monstrous is probably too far but um but not always trying to look beautiful, right? Right. Like she definitely has. Right. Um, so, anyway, we went to college together. And yeah. Lovely,
1: so. I think I found Is She Hungry through, I probably found her through Creepy Yeha. Do you follow her on Instagram? Okay. She makes these like gorgeous, elaborate leather and vinyl harnesses and accoutrements okay. that are more expensive than anything I could ever afford, but they're fucking beautiful um and i think this drag queen wears a lot of creepy ass stuff got it um so i think i found her through that but there's this other queen that i recently really got into who does um her name is Kimberly Clark and I got into her because she does all of these. You know how for makeup, people do haul videos. Do you know what that is?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Um so on like makeup YouTube, people will do these haul videos, which is like all the stuff that they bought. Oh, I see Hall, right
0: H U A H U
1: A. H A U L. Well, Mom James did
0: something similar recently. Yeah,
1: so she does they do their <laughs> hauls and there's like I bought this uh Urban Decay palette and I bought this blah 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 and I bought this and this and this and this. And there's this sort of really consumerist um thing to all of this makeup stuff, because there's a lot of I mean, if you're a makeup artist, you need to buy whole palettes and all these things and like be able to try on stuff for all these different customers but a lot of stuff that is has been the realm of makeup artists only for a long time is now being marketed to individual consumers right who are basically spending money on all these different ranges of colors that don't all necessarily look good on one person right it's Mm -hmm. just like you're spending all this money and these palettes are not cheap, right? Right, Like ranging between like 50 and 150 bucks, right? For eyeshadows. Um, which I think makeup is art. I am a proud femme who is so, uh, who's so, um, excited and, um, really, uh, really loves makeup. And I th- really appreciate the artistry of that. But I also, um, I also, don't really feel like I need to be buying that much stuff. And Kimberly Clark does these anti-haul videos where she talks about stuff and she's like, I'm not going to buy it. She's (laughs) like, this is what this is. This is what this is. This is what this is. And this is why I feel like I'm not going to buy it. Don't need it. Not going to buy it. So it's like sort of like a little resistance to that.
0: And I really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So we want to talk a little bit about just sort of behind the scenes stuff of like how we run this podcast and some things that we've gotten like questions about maybe over time that we haven't answered or just things like that. Also things that it's almost two years. We two years, the end of March I know, which is totally local. Yeah. Um, and we've been wanting to, I don't know, just like reflect on some of the things we like about running the podcast and some of the things that are like challenging about it too. Yeah. So yeah. I know one question, well, really it was kind of a, It was a little bit of a shady review is really what it was. But someone kind of was like, why do you talk so much? Like, why don't you play more of the music? Right. And so we wanted to explain that we have a rationale for that. That we're not just like arbitrarily making that decision. That's
1: right. So when we started this podcast, we had a lot of questions about the legality of playing music that we don't have ownership over. Right. Um, And it was, it's a question that since we started doing Radio Manea, a few other people have come to me and uh, um, and asked about for their own projects. And so we made our decision based on advice from a friend's dad who is also like a music lawyer somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we were told that if we played 90 seconds or less of a song and then just talked Um, Over the rest of it, that we should be on pretty safe grounds um, Um, in terms of copyright stuff and that because we're using our platform as critique, that we should be covered under fair use.
0: So, yeah, not that we're just using the music to, like, color our podcast, but that we're actually engaging with the song. Right. It's not
1: like our theme song or it's not like... Um, you know, a, a light motif that comes up all the time, but it's actually we're bringing different songs every single time with the purpose of critiquing and talking about them and mm-hmm. um and bringing them forth. So <laughs> that was sort of the rationale yeah. about um about how long we have the songs on and um and what we were thinking about, but it's sort of uh uncharted waters really yeah
0: yeah because it hasn't really been litigated yet fair use was not written when podcasts were a thing and so um so yeah we're kind of um doing our best to make a guess about what um is fair and what we hopefully won't get in trouble for and we i mean so far haven't yeah had any issues but yeah, um, knocking but it's not, on wood yeah but it's definitely uncharted but that's and i also think at this point it's become a stylistic thing that i I like that we play a segment of the song and then we keep it moving and that folks, if they want to listen to the full song, yeah, yeah. And then go listen to it, either download right. it or listen to it through a streaming service that pays the artist a percentage, even if it's not enough of a percentage.
1: And, you know, we we'll, you know, we also cover a range of artists, right? Yeah. Some of whom are really independent, yeah. you know, small, who probably would be really happy for their yeah. stuff to show up in Exposure. any way. Right. To all the way to, like, you know, Jay Balvin or, like, Daddy Yankee are like, yeah. superstars who have a whole team of people watching out for uh, for copyright violations.
0: You know, hoping to not get a cease and desist letter at any
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> Although my, my thing has always been, like, if Daddy Yankee just knows we exist right. enough to send us a cease and desist <laughs> letter, I feel like we will have one.
0: Um, one thing we just want to give a heads up about to stay tuned for is that we're going to be doing a little listener drive. We just, you know, it's been two years since we've been doing this. We love our audience, but we would love to reach more people. Yeah. So we're going to be asking you all to um, help us yeah. kind so of get in front of more ears. So stay tuned stay for tuned that. Stay tuned for that. In the next few episodes, we'll be talking more about that.
1: Yes. So do you want to end with some recommendations? Because
0: yeah, our friends at Listen to lunch always do. Um, yeah. Do you want to start?
1: Yeah, sure. I have um a few recommendations. I'm going to say one movie and two TV shows okay. that I really enjoy. Um I the m- movie that I've saw most recently that's really stuck with me that I love is The Shape of Water. Have you seen mm-hmm. The Shape of Water?
0: I watched the preview and it looked too stressful for me. I'm <laughs> like really... I have a very narrow window of things. I get really like worked up and so it's not enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. Looks stressful, so...
1: That's real. It is such a beautiful movie. I mean, it's so fucking weird in so many ways, which is really the perfect intersection for me. I love Guillermo del Toro. I Mm, think he's a really brilliant filmmaker. And the ways he thinks about fantasy and monsters and science fiction in relation to politics and making a political commentary, I think he just does so beautifully in a way that isn't too heavy-handed, but is just... It's just beautiful and perfect. And I, I really love him as a filmmaker. And I think The Shape of Water is such a great, great movie. It's also visually stunning, which mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for. Mm-hmm. Um something that is aesthetically just really on point. Um, and it's also like New York back in the day, like in like maybe the fifties, and it's just or sixties, and it's um, it's really pretty to look at, and um, really stunning as as a concept. Just like this sort of strange concept that somehow just really works. Um, and I was really, really, really into that. So if y'all have a chance, watch the preview. If it doesn't stress you out, you should go watch <laughs> know. it. You um, I'm missing out on a lot of. Great and stuff. you you'll be supporting a Mexican filmmaker who's like out there doing the thing. Yeah, got a lot of Oscar nominations. And it's like a
0: lot of commentary about disability right and
1: to certain it's people. commenting on a lot of different yeah. things yeah I mean the star of the of the uh, movie is a woman who is mute she can't speak um, with her voice right so she uses sign language and it's a lot of is the ways that um, people both see her as not very smart because of her disability even though her disability is not a cognitive uh, disability um, or the ways that people sexualize that and like use mm-hmm. disability, um, you know, disabled people are targets for sexual violence a lot. Right. Um, and, um, it sort of wraps that into it and, um, but also wraps some like resistance, right? Like how do people like, in very small and everyday ways resist that. It's, it's really, it's beautiful. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then the TV shows that I am really into, Are two cartoon shows because I love cartoons, (laughs) y'all. I love cartoons. True story. Um, A, (laughs) I really love Bob's Burgers, which is just like about a family. It's still going, it's going going. going strong. Do they just not
0: age? Are they one of those shows? Yeah, they
1: just don't age. It's like similar to like The Simpsons where everybody stays the same age. Yeah. Um, And I just love those fucking weirdo kids and. Um, I feel like Jean is definitely queer, and Tina is amazing and write, writes erotic friend fiction, and I just highly recommend it. Erotic I think it's fan fiction, friend fiction, because What's it's about friend? her friends. Oh no, <laughs>
0: that's so awkward. That's she so like awkward. apparently
1: in the show like did all of the all of erotic fan fiction of all the shows she watched, and then ran out, and so she started writing erotic that's so friend awkward.
0: fiction. So <laughs> Does she share it with people?
1: There is one episode where she does share it, (laughs) which is, it's just, I feel like I love that show. I think it's so funny and it's sort of like my comfort show. It's like when I'm like polishing my nails late at night and like, I'm like, you know, just doing it and need something in the background. Bob's Burgers is what I'm watching. But then the other show that I actually think is probably maybe one of my favorite television shows of all time is Steven Universe, which is a children's show a children's cartoon show. Is it really for kids? Yeah, I mean I think it's for like ages 10 and up. Wow. And it's um starts out as a sort of monster of the week uh show where um they're 11 minutes long these episodes and they're fight it's like three queer femme superheroes basically um and this little boy that they're raising And they're fighting off different monsters every week, and it starts off as that. And I was hooked immediately because, again, I find it aesthetically really beautiful. It sort of uh, has takes its visual cues from uh, like nineties anime, like Sailor Moon, but also video games. So it's also so it's like really and these beautiful color palettes. I really enjoy. So that really hooked me in at first, but as I watched it more, it morphs from like a monster of the week show to actually having this really deep mythology about these queer femme superheroes who are actually intergalactic, anti-colonial, eco-feminist rebels. Just (laughs) all of that's true. And it's incredible. So highly recommend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I feel like I've had to do a lot of recommendations lately. because, Well, on Tonic, we do like things that are giving us life and we record twice a month. And then I was on an episode of Latinos Who Lunch that'll come out in a few weeks um, and I had to talk about recommendations. So I'm oh. struggling a little bit to think about new recommendations. But one thing that I have been watching this week... That I've been really enjoying is um, Grace and Frankie.
1: Oh, I've been meaning to watch uh, that,
0: which is a Netflix show um, that's really good, and they just released the fourth season. Oh, and four, I seasons. four seasons! There's only thirteen episodes per season, okay. and there but it's there's a lot, and it's I mean it's a great show. I love Lily Tomlin. I mean she's amazing, and Jane Fonda's amazing, and they just it's just I, there are very few shows I think that. Um, focus on the lives of older people. Like, these yeah. are women in their 70s. Yeah. And then there's two gay men who are also in the show, who are also in their 70s. Um, and it's just, it's hilarious and really well done, and I highly recommend it.
1: Oh, yes. So. I, I need to get on that. I need to get on that because I feel like old ladies are goals. I fucking love old ladies, and I can't wait to be one.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just, it's like countercultural in a lot of different ways. Yeah, It's humorous, and... You know, I think it's it does a really good job, given all the context. The other show that I'm looking forward to watching the new season is One Day at a Time. Oh, Did I've never heard show? of that. No. Okay, so it's a remake of a Norman Lear sitcom from the 80s or something, also called One Day at a Time, but it's a remake of that, which was about like an American family. I never saw it. Okay. But it's a remake of it, but based on a Cuban-American family. Oh. Yeah, and Rita Moreno is in it. She plays a Cuban. At the Uh beginning, she tries way too hard with the accent. It's terrible. And then she kind of lets it go, which is much better. Um, (laughs) It was just bad. The first few episodes, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Stop trying to sound like a Cuban. You don't sound like one. It's a very specific accent. Anyway, I mean, I don't think any of the actors are Cuban. They're all Latina, Latinx. There's some men, too. Anyway, it's a great show. Um, They just released a second season. It's the main character's the teenager, teenage girl in the family. Okay. And there's a queer storyline and it's also, I think it's also a Netflix show. So. Be um, cute. All right. Shout out to these two sitcoms. Cool. Those are my recommendations. Perfect. Well, yeah, that's our no music, all talking Latinos, Latinas who brunch episode. That's
1: right. Get, don't get used to it because this is the only, one of the only times we'll probably do this. Exactly. We're going to be back to music, but. Just giving it a little to, glimpse.
0: Exactly. We wanted to like give a chance to talk about stuff we don't usually talk about and give a big abrazo to our amigacs at Latinos Who Lunch, our amigos at Latinos Who Lunch, because, because we love, love y'all. We love y'all. And we think your show is awesome. And I'm glad we got an excuse to eat tacos. That's right. Mm. <laughs> so um, you can, we'll have a, a very, some very basic show notes about this episode on Radimine.com so you can check that out. We'll put a link to Latinos Who Lunch in case you don't know them. You can make sure to follow them. Yes,
1: if you're not following them, if you're not subscribed, if you're not listening yeah. to I don't even know what you're doing with your right, life, but you exactly. got to rectify it.
0: Yeah, they're great. Um, and as as Babelito always says, five stars only. So please, if you haven't, um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because... It really helps us get more views. It really helps get our podcast in front of new folks. And visibility
1: is? Probably a trap, but nice sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.